The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. We're going to get into a, a message today, a special Father's Day message entitled Intentional Investment. And if you remember when we did our Mother's Day message, we also talked about the same topic, intentional investment. And we did that on purpose because we wanted to hit both the perspective of the mothers and the fathers because we all need to be intentional in our investment, whether you're a parent or not, because God has given each one of us influence. And because He has graciously given us influence, we need to steward that influence wisely and make sure that we're intentional with the relationships that He has put in our path and make sure that we're intentionally investing the right things in people. And so today, we're going to go through scriptures that I believe relate to fatherhood, and leadership in general. And these are commands from God to every single one of us, but especially to those of us who carry the mantle of father. And I want you to write this one down. Fatherhood is leadership. Fatherhood is leadership because leadership is influence. And we all, at some measure, at some level, we all have a degree of influence. You may teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Oftentimes we say, don't do as I do, no, do as I say. And that's not the way it works, folks. We need to make sure that we are modeling and leading from a place of understanding that we have influence and it is a precious gift that we have been given to steward well. Let's go over to the book of Joshua in the 24th chapter. I really love this statement in Joshua 24 as he's kind of uh, rallying everyone together after they have all been given uh, the area that they're supposed to occupy. He's kind of divvied out to each one of the tribes where they're supposed to go. Each one of the 12 tribes, he says, this one goes here, this one goes here. And after he's ascribed all of that, um, after a, a lifelong uh, journey, it seems like, with his fellow countrymen, this journey has led these folks through slavery. It's led them through the wilderness, through many battles, ups and downs, but through it all, God has proven himself faithful, and now they're in this promised land together, and, and Joshua casts vision for his family, and he provides leadership and direction by making this statement. Joshua 24 and verse 15, Joshua says this, he said, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I love how he makes this strong statement, as for me and my house. So that, that shows that he's taking and understanding responsibility from the get-go. He understands the mantle and the weight of leadership that rests upon his shoulders as a man in his home and as the leader of his home, that he's the one that's supposed to be casting vision, giving direction, making sure that the values of the family line up to the things that he has the vision for, and that is to serve the Lord. He says, you can do whatever you want to do because I can't force you to serve God. You can look and marvel at everything that God's done. You can remember all of the stuff we've been through and see how God has delivered us time after time after time again when we continually were rebellious, when we continually rebelled against what God would rather us do, want us to do, command us to do, direct us to do. Even though we failed Him many times, He never failed us. And now here we are at the destination that He wanted us to be at. And you can do what you want to do. But as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. 
If you want to go back and live in slavery into Egypt, if you want to go serve those gods, if you want to serve the gods of the Amalekites, the, the, the land that you dwell in, if you want to just be a part of the crowd, be a part of the culture, if you want to just fit in, you can do that. But he made a bold statement of leadership and vision. He said, it's for me and my house. This is what we're going to do. We are going to serve the Lord. So dad, what's the vision for your home? What's the vision for your family? What's the vision that you have? Because there's a culture that's all around you, much like the people in this story here that we're reading about the children of Israel. We see that there was very much an established culture already that they were living in, and so they had a decision to make. What were they going to do? And Joshua was letting them know, you're going to have to choose. And he said, I've already made that choice. And that gave very clear direction and confidence to his family about what they were going to be about. So what are you and your family going to be? At? What, what's the vision for your house? The scripture also says that without vision, that people will perish. Without a vision for your children, without a vision for your family, people become lost without purpose. They don't know what to do. They don't know if, what it means to be a part of your family. We try to do this in our family with our kids. We, when we correct our children, we don't, we're not perfect with it, but we try to remember to remind them that this is what Armstrongs do, okay? We tell them, we say, that, this is not how Armstrongs behave. Well, yeah, but my friends are doing this. Yeah, I understand that, but this is not how Armstrongs behave. We attach the identity to the last name, our family name, because that's the vision that we're wanting to cast for their lives. And so we try to, when we correct them or when we try to let them know what we are or aren't going to do, we let them know the reason that we're not doing this is because we have chosen to serve the Lord. And as far as the Armstrong family is concerned, we don't watch that show or we're not going to behave that way or do this or do that. Or we are going to do these things that are positive because we are Armstrongs because Armstrongs serve the Lord. As for me and my house, are you hearing me this morning? We are going to serve the Lord. And that's the type of leadership that needs to be present in your home, Dad. That's the type of leadership that needs to be present with your marriage, where you're leading your wife, where you are the one who is taking the spiritual initiative in your home. Hello, somebody. You need to take the spiritual initiative in your home. I understand that a lot of times we see that, that, that wives are dragging their reluctant husbands to church. It should not be that way. That's not how it should be. If you really want to make a declaration, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord, you need to be the one waking everybody up. No, we're not going to sleep in. No, we're not going to take that day. No, we're going to make sure that we celebrate corporately with our church family. No, we are going to uh, pray together as a family uh, before a meal or before we go to bed. We are going to take our concerns to the Lord. I've been really convicted about this lately as God's been working just in my heart so many different things that you kind of get to publicly see on Sunday. And some of you that know me personally and have a deeper relationship with me, you've been seeing some of those things as well. But God has really been convicting me and, and dealing with me about taking him seriously at a whole, whole new level that I really have flirted with in the past, 
but really I'm beginning to understand what he's trying to do in my heart as I kind of begin to peel back the layers of self and all that stuff and, and all the junk is kind of weeded away. And one of the things that I really have been feeling God speak to my heart about is making sure that we don't allow the saturation of Christian environments in our home to be a substitute for a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to say that slow so I can say that some more because some of y'all missed that. We want to make sure that an oversaturation of Christian environments doesn't substitute in our children's minds the relationship that we are to have with Jesus Christ. We can be so saturated in Christian environments to where we can surround ourselves with all things Christian. We can wear Christian clothing, Christian jewelry, listen to Christian music. We can eat Ezekiel bread. We're even eating Christian food, man. I mean, like, we can have Christian, you know, Bible everywhere. You know, you're not watching anything but VeggieTales, you know. I remember when I was a youth pastor, there was a kid in my youth group that got into some trouble, and, and, and I was counseling her and her, and her mom about the issue that they were dealing with, and, and, and the mom said this. She said, I, I'm going to make you watch Passion of the Christ every day. Well, that's going to fix her. You can surround somebody and saturate someone with Christian environments all day long. It does not mean they have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, it, it, it doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus any more than me going to a Bucks game every time that they're, they're, they're playing in town makes me a part of the team. Uh, just because I'm in the building, just because I'm dressed like them, I can buy their clothes, the same ones they wear, I can buy their shoes. doesn't matter. I'm just in the building looking like them, but man, I'm not one of them. Hello, somebody. And we can do the same thing with our walk with the Lord if we're not careful and if we're not intentionally investing in our children and modeling for them a relationship with Jesus Christ and what that looks like, they're going to grow up very confused just thinking that I need to saturate myself with all things Christian. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with, with putting good things around you. By all means, you should do that. But it's not a substitute for your relationship with Jesus. Going to church on Sunday morning is not a substitute for your relationship with Jesus. And dads, we've got to get this. We've got to understand that this is a daily walk. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment thing that we are required to live. When we mess up, we need to confess it. We need to admit it. We need to tell our kids we're sorry. We need to uh, confess it to our wives, confess it to the Lord. We need to make sure that we're leading well and we're showing them grace in action as being recipients as well as those that give grace and living out the gospel in front of our families, leading them and showing them what godly men are supposed to be and learning how to be a godly man and pursuing the Lord in such a way that He begins to work on our heart and help us to find healing and strength and confidence in Him alone so we can model that and show that and teach that to our children. Because just saturating them in Christian environments, putting them in Christian school, buying them Christian t-shirts, making them listen to Christian music, it's not a relationship with Jesus. If we think that's the pathway, we are fooling and deceiving ourselves because fatherhood is leadership and we have to cast vision and we have to model what it is that we expect and what we want to see invested in those that we are leading. Fatherhood is not only leadership. Here's a tough one, Dad. Fatherhood is discipline. Oh, this is going to be fun. Fatherhood is not only leadership, it's discipline. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 3. Let's look here. There's many, many Proverbs um, on discipline, but uh, I just chose this one because I thought it was appropriate. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11, Scripture says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Scripture here says that God chastises us. He disciplines us. 
because he loves us. And a father is supposed to do that in his children, in whom he delights. He said in a son that he delights, he's, he's going to be that person that does discipline. We need to discipline our children. It is a biblical mandate. Too many parents are too concerned with their children liking them than they are bringing firm discipline in the home. They are far too concerned with just being their child's friend and making sure that their child thinks that they're great. And we fall into this trap, and man, I do too. Sometimes it's a slippery slope when you just want to give your kids things that maybe you didn't have, and you want to give them experiences that you didn't get to experience as a child. We were so pumped when we got to take our kids to Disney for the first time, and we spent a lot of money. And if you've been to Disney, you know, you know, I mean, that's an expensive trip. And, and they liked it, and they had fun, but we wanted them to, like, just be blown away, and they weren't, and we were frustrated that they weren't just like, oh, my goodness, they weren't weeping, and, you know, like, they weren't, you know, crying, because we never got to do that as kids. My wife nor I uh, ever got to experience Disney as children, and, and we just thought, we're giving you something that you didn't, that we didn't get to have, and we're wanting to vicariously live it and experience it through them, and they weren't measuring up to our expectations of excitement and appreciation, my goodness. I mean, it was hot, it's tired, we have to wait in the line, all this stuff. And I'm like, you're at Disney for crying out loud. I just paid $25 for that hamburger, you're going to eat it. <laughs> but listen, I mean, sometimes we get so caught up wanting to give them things that, that we miss out on listening to what they actually need and what they actually really want. The time, the quality time, spending time with them, listening to them, caring about them, and caring about the, listen, caring about the things they care about. That's going to help you. Listen, I, I saw this over and over again in seven years of youth ministry. I saw parents disconnect from their teenagers so many times because the parents would not be interested in what their children were interested in. They would not take time to be interested in them and what was going on in their lives and what they cared about and what mattered to them. And it caused such friction and disconnect because they, they, they realize I have this different person that's living in my home that's becoming an adult that has an opinion, you know, now. As it were, when they were little, it was fun, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll go, you know, sit on the merry-go-round. That's fun. But when they get older and they get this opinion thing, you're like, what's going on with this? And I saw it over and over again, and, and it's challenging. But we have to have discipline in the home, and we have to care about what they care about, and we have to let our yes be yes and our no be no. I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a second. Do you mind? I'm going to get, I mean, you can't really do anything about it except for Carl, who can shut my mic off, but... But <laughs> I got a little soapbox. Can we stop counting um, for our children um, when we want to, you know, discipline them? Uh, because the counting oftentimes never goes anywhere. I see it over and over again. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Okay, don't make me say three. And we do this over and over again, and, and we make empty threats. Listen, we got to stop the empty threats. That's not discipline. Us getting angry at our children and threatening them is not discipline. Discipline is, here's your action, here's the punishment, and that you stay true to your word. If you tell them you're going to reward them or do something, you, you do it. 
If you tell them that you're going to punish them or discipline, you do it. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's a heavy weight to carry, but as leaders, as fathers, that's our job. And Scripture says that God does this to us. He says that He does it because He loves us. We're not threatening. We're not making idle threats. We're not just getting angry because then all of a sudden our children just grow up afraid of us. And if they just grow up afraid of us, then they're not really learning consequences other than dad gets mad when I do this or don't do that. And it's not just about us getting angry and raising our voices. No, we, we need to correct and discipline and love and actually correct, explain what was wrong that they did. And, and if you can, if you can, before they do the thing that's wrong, I'll do this with my kids. I see other parents do this with their kids where you give them a choice, where you let them know the consequence beforehand. If you see them headed down a certain path, you say, if you keep going down this path, this is what's going to happen. That's what we have to tell our, our little five-year-old foster son a lot of times, you know, as he's kind of learning the Armstrong family way, and he's trying to, you know, learn this, this, uh, this new culture that he's, uh, he's experiencing as he's living with us. We'll tell him, you can choose to do this, but if you do that, here's what's going to happen. And he has tested that to see if we were going to be true to our word. And man, it was hard to make him go to his room and not let him go outside and play with his friends and listen to him cry in his bed. And we had to do that with our biological children as well. That stuff is hard, but it's part of our role. And we need to step up and do it because God commands us to do it. And he does it to us. And we need to make sure that we are disciplining our children. God says over and over again in Proverbs as well as in another place in Scripture, he said, those that I love, I discipline. I chasten, I, I rebuke. Those that I love, I, I give this discipline to. So it's not a, a mean thing. It's not a domineering thing. It's a love thing because we want to give them that correction and that discipline to help them to learn consequences as well. The next thing is that fatherhood is instruction. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I love this passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 1. Deuteronomy 6, we're going to read 1 through 9, so we're going to read a, a little chunk of Scripture here, so uh, follow along if you can. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's saying here that here to, to the children of Israel, as they have been, they're, they're, they're beginning to leave out of Egypt and they're, they're going into the promised land. And here you see Moses giving them direction from the Lord and he's telling the Israelites, he's saying, listen, if you want this thing to continue on and carry on, you've got to be intentional about it. It's not going to happen just with your fingers crossed. 
It's not going to happen. With, your children are going to serve the Lord and love the Lord just by happenstance, that they're going to stumble into it. He said, no, they're going to love the Lord when you're intentionally investing in them. And you need to make sure that you're teaching them these things diligently. He said, teach them these things diligently to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their, with all their might, with all their strength. He said, teach them this. Model this for them. Give them instruction. Make sure that when you're walking down the road that, that you take an opportunity to talk to them about how much, that, how much you love the Lord and let them see that love in action. Let them see the way that you treat your, your spouse. Let them see the way you treat your boss and talk about your boss. The way that you talk about other people. The way that you you interact with other people both in front of them and behind closed doors that they're learning what the love of God means that they see you being charitable that they see you being generous with your time and with your finances that they see you being a wise steward that they see you living this thing out he said write this stuff in places where they're going to be able to see it and where you're going to be able to remember it keep it in front of you because it's important and it's your job to teach your children diligently. God gives this instruction to Israel, but it applies to all of us today. It is a father's responsibility to teach their children the ways of the Lord. David, over and over again, over and over again in the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, he, he says, Lord, teach me your ways. I will meditate on your statutes. I will meditate and think on your ways. We love God and oftentimes we love Him, but we don't pursue His ways. We don't pursue His statutes. Instead, we pursue God for His mighty acts. And we praise God for His mighty acts. And we thank God for His mighty acts. We thank God when He intervenes in a dire situation and does something amazing for His glory and for our good that makes us just stand in awe and go, wow, only God. Isn't that great when we see God moving and, and the acts of God, the mighty hand of God? Yes, we, we thank You. We praise You for Your mighty acts. But over and over again, we hear David saying, not, Lord, do more for me, act more, do more miracles in my life. He said, no, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your statutes. Teach me how to do this day to day. Yeah, there's times where God intervenes and His acts and His hands and, and, and you see Him move and you're like, wow, the power of God could only change someone's heart at that level. The power of God could only move and, 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 and touch that person physically or whatever the case may be. But we don't serve God and pursue Him because of His acts. No, Lord, teach us who you are. Teach us your ways. Teach us your statutes. David said, I meditate on your ways. In other words, I'm meditating on the value system of heaven. I'm meditating on what matters most to God. I'm meditating and thinking over and over again on who God is and how He wants me to live. That type of meditation, that type of thought will help us to invest in our children, the statutes and the ways of the Lord as we are being people who are day-to-day -day devoted to Him and who are seeking Him and thinking on His statutes and His ways. Teach us Your ways, O Lord. Praise Him for His mighty acts. But Lord, teach me Your ways. Teach me the day-to-day. -day. Teach me, God, how to live in a way that will honor and glorify you. So fatherhood is leadership. Fatherhood is discipline. Fatherhood is instruction. And fatherhood, this all flows together, is an example. It's not just telling your children what to do and keeping the ways of God in front of them, but it's modeling these things every single day. Dad, do your children hear you pray? 
And I don't mean this to sound condemning or, or, or putting you down. I, I want it to challenge you. Dad, do you, your children hear you pray? How are they supposed to know how to connect with God if they aren't seeing this being modeled in front of them and talking to God? Yeah, we're going to do a good job here at church making sure that we teach them Scripture. We're going to do a good job here making sure that we teach them some things to, to help them to grow in their relationship with the Lord. But the things they learn here at church should only be supplemental and reinforce what you're doing at home. Because ultimately, it's going to be you that's going to be held responsible in the eyes of God. Because you are the ones that God has given that gift to of that child, of that life, and you're the one responsible for stewarding it. Church is a part of that. But if that's the only thing that they ever learn spiritually is what they get once a week, that's not enough to sustain them and make them strong Christians that when the enemy comes in like a flood, man, they're not going to be very strong in those moments because the enemy will come in like a flood, will he not? We've all experienced the enemy coming in like a flood, the temptations that come. The, the challenges, the trials, the discouragement that comes, the, the wavering that we've felt from time to time when we're put into uh, the pressure cooker of life. For us to stand on that solid rock, we need to have that foundation strengthened. And Dad, it's our responsibility at home to make sure that we are setting that example, that we are giving that instruction that we are showing our children how to serve the Lord, not just saying, you need to serve God, you need to be a Christ follower, you need to go to church. No, not just telling them what they need to do, but showing them how to do it, and that they see it as an example. So we, our children need to, need to hear us pray. Our children need to see us in Scripture. Do, do our children, I mean, they see us in front of the television, and, and they model that one pretty darn good, don't they? They follow our example and sitting in front of the TV. They model this number right here pretty well. Have you seen kids lately? Like, uh, why? Because, and that's a sound a phone makes. I mean, they're really good at that, but we taught them that. We, we are showing them how to be really good at, at being distracted by a screen. We're really good at showing them all these other things. Are we showing them what a Bible open at our breakfast table looks like? Are we showing them our devotion to memorizing scriptures and to getting the Word of God inside of us? Are, are we showing them and letting them hear and see us talk to God? No matter, I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, you guys. It doesn't have to be this eloquent speech that you're making to God that impresses your children. No, it just has to be you talking to God. Are they seeing you being vulnerable? with the Lord? Are, are they seeing that modeled in their life? Do they see you worship God? If we think that our children are going to go beyond our commitment and our devotion to God, that may be so at some point in their life, but, but it's not just going to happen just by chance. Your children's devotion to God will be greatly impacted by your public and private pursuit of God. So are we publicly and privately pursuing God? Do, do they see you act with integrity when you're wrestling with moral decisions? Do they see you pray about what's the right move to make? Do you, do you invite them to pray with you? Man, I was really challenged by this. I couldn't find my keys one day, all right? It's something dumb. Like, this happens to me a lot. I'm a bad key person. Like, anyone that knows me, they're like, yeah, Derek loses keys all the time. It's just a thing, all right? So um, Jesus is helping me with it. Um, I couldn't find my keys one day, 
I'm like getting frustrated at this point. My son just looks at me and he goes, well, dad, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, dad, maybe God will help you remember. And I'm like, who's the kid think he is, right? You know? (laughs) But to be reminded that that made me really proud that he would think about asking the Lord, that he would think about asking God in that situation. Um, I remember that uh, my wife and I one time, we were trying to discuss a situation, and, and we were on a, a road trip, and so the kids were in the car, and we were trying to use code, you know, words to talk about things that, you know, so they wouldn't, you know, understand what we were talking about, and, and we had to uh, bring up a, a couple of individuals that we were like, what do we do with this person or in this situation, and so we gave them names, and, and we didn't know that our little daughter Leah was listening, because later on that night, when we had our floor time to pray, she wanted to pray for this person, and we were like, oh, <laughs> we were like, who, <laughs> You know, and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, yes, yes, we can. And I love that they're asking to pray for situations because they were concerned that that person was going through something rough, you know. And my wife and I were trying to figure out what to do about it and how to help, and she wanted to pray for them. And uh, man, stuff like that, it just reminds you, wow, that's really important what we do, Dad, isn't it? really important what we do, mom and dad. It's really important how we live in front of our children. Um, it's really important where we take things. Do, do we take them to the Lord? I mean, what if, let's just throw out a scenario that you're going to deal with probably at some point. What if you're faced with some kind of financial dilemma, you don't know what to do, maybe a big bill comes in, um, something unexpected. Oh my goodness, I don't know what we're going to do. What, what if you just grab your family and say, hey, we're going to pray about this. Or what if before you make a big decision, you know, you invite the family to pray together? Instead of you just looking and seeing if the numbers make sense for you to buy that house or for you to buy that car or looking at the numbers make sense for you to be able to go on that vacation, well, why not instead, why don't you just say, hey, family, this is what we're wanting to do. Why don't you just let them know? Let's, we're going to pray about this together as a family. God, speak to our hearts. Show us what you want us to do about this. Help us to see your will. Help us to just have a peace and know that that we need to do this or that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it, what if you did something like that with your family, with your kids? That's going to make a great impact on them because when they're faced with a similar situation, when they're adults, guess what they're going to do? They're going to take it to the Lord because they're going to remember as a child when we were faced with decisions, we took it to Jesus. When you're faced with sickness, do we take our sickness to Jesus? Do we believe that He truly is the healer? When we're faced with sickness, do we just, you know, try everything except for prayer, and then when everything else didn't work, we go, well, I guess we could try the prayer thing. Let's call the pastor. No, what if you just prayed yourself? I mean, I love you. I care about you. I'll pray for you, uh, but not because I have the bat phone to God, because I don't. I mean, you have Jesus on the inside of you if you're a follower of Christ, so therefore you have that connection. You can connect with God. You can pray. You can ask Him to touch someone physically, to move physically in their life, and just do something in their body, to bring about a healing. I mean, your children need to see that example. Over in Titus chapter 2, let's flip over there. I love Titus. I think I've said I I love every one of these scriptures that we turn to. That's a good thing, because it'd be weird if pastor said he didn't like this scripture too much. (laughs) Titus chapter 2 in verse 1 says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Paul wrote this to Titus, remember. 
Verse 2, he said, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. And then he talks to the women. So let's skip down to verse 6 where he, re, where he begins to address younger men again. Verse 6, he says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, to show yourself in all respects, to be a model of good works in your teaching, show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. This is the type of example that we're called to set over and over. We see here that he said, teach them to have the type of doctrine that's sound, that when they speak, that they're speaking with sound doctrine, that they know what they believe in, and they know why they believe it. Make sure that you're sound in your speech, in your teaching. Make sure you have integrity, that you're not just saying what's popular or what someone wants to hear, but when you're teaching your children the Word of God, when you're showing this to your family, when you're investing intentionally in someone, that you're a person who has sound doctrine, and it's your responsibility to have that sound doctrine. It's your... It's your responsibility to make sure that you're rightly dividing the word of truth, that you're able to understand the truth in God's word, that you're growing in that, that you want to pursue him so you can make sure that you know him for who he is and not just who we want him to be or who society tells us that he is, but we're growing in knowing God for who he is. Men, it's our responsibility to grow in a solid understanding of Scripture if we're going to be giving instruction and setting a good example, it's even more important that we have a solid understanding of Scripture, that we get into God's Word. I mean, it's great that you go to a church that's a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that's going to teach things contextually and do our best to make sure that we're rightly dividing the Word of truth and presenting it to you and taking that responsibility seriously. But you need to take that seriously personally as well to grow in handling the Word of God. And we got to allow God to speak to us and shape our beliefs and what we're standing on and what we're growing in and not pop culture theology and not every wind of doctrine that wants to come along and get you caught up in some new fad or some new thing that's popular that, oh, wow, this is the new hot thing and this is the best-selling book by this minister or this preacher or whatever the case may be, that you're able to see through things that are right and things that are incorrect and error. We need to grow to that level of maturity where we're able to take a greater responsibility with handling the Word of God, especially as fathers investing in their children. Man, this is part of our responsibility to set that type of example. Someone who, who man, you know what? There are things that I used to think and things that I used to believe in, and man, quite honestly, things I used to teach, that as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord and in my understanding of Scripture, I don't teach those things anymore because I'm willing to give up what I believe for the truth. And it's the truth of the Word of God that I am after. And I say, God, if I'm in error, show me, and I'll repent of it. And I'll make sure that if, if anyone has been affected by that in any way, that I, I repent to them and I make sure that I clean that stuff up. Because James 3 and 1 says that don't many of you desire to be teachers because don't you know there's going to be a stricter judgment? So as I'm teaching you guys the Word of God as your pastor, I need to take that very seriously. And we need to take it seriously that God has called us to be people who understand the Scripture and not just go, well, that's what we pay you for. Well, yeah, that is part of my role and my responsibility to you as your pastor, but it's also your responsibility as a Christian. Forget the fact that I'm, I'm in a paid ministry position. 
that doesn't really mean anything in the eyes of heaven. The thing that does mean something in the eyes of heaven is the responsibility that someone who has been given to teach the Word of God to a group of people, that they handle it correctly. And you have a responsibility to teach your children, so you need to take that just as seriously as I take my responsibility to teach you. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You picking up what I'm putting down? All right. We got to get into the Word is what I'm saying. We got to get into the Word for ourselves. And not just crutch on good teaching. It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter if it's my teaching or someone that teaches better than me that you like hearing better than me. It doesn't matter. It's not about us just drinking from just that one fountain once a week and that's all we get. No, we need to grow in understanding Scripture for ourselves. And men, it's our responsibility to lead the way in that, in our homes, not just at church, in our homes, in our day-to-day lives. I don't know if you're catching this or not, but, but God, God wants us to take this following Jesus thing seriously. He wants us to take it seriously. You remember Jesus, what He said? You remember what He said in Scripture where, where He said that whoever, whoever loves this life, man, they're going to lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it? You remember Jesus, he said, if there's someone that puts their hand to the plow and then turns around, looks back and walks away, he's, he's not worthy of me. Jesus said, take this seriously. He's not playing games here. He's not just wanting you to check a box on some imaginary list that you think he's looking at. Going, oh yeah, I did my, did my Jesus thing for the week. No, he wants us to die to ourselves and live to him. He wants us to live in light of eternity, to where eternity is the focus, and, and we're living this life, this short time that we've been given here on this earth, this life, this, this, this vapor of life. He's wanting us to live it in light of eternity because everything we do here affects eternity. So, man, we better take intentionally investing in our children's lives and in those God has given us influence with. We better take that seriously, amen? We better take that seriously. We better set that type of example because everything we're doing, man, this is touching eternity. And eternity is a really, really long time. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. We think it takes a long time for Christmas to get here when we're kids. We don't understand eternity. We think that eternity, if we're men, is you know going to some big event and seeing the line in the women's restroom that goes outside of the door. We're like, wow, they're waiting in eternity. I couldn't do that. There's a bush. That's functional, you know. <laughs> We're not going to wait for that. We think, wow, that's forever. No, it's not forever. We, we don't get it, man. Sometimes we get a little peek, and God opens up a little window for us to see little things that we kind of have a vague understanding of eternity, but it's going to be a really long time, folks. And everything we do here, the example we set, the way we lead, the way we discipline, the way we give instruction, the... The, the way that we live in front of our kids and the way we invest in other people intentionally, it's all touching eternity. And we should take that responsibility very, very seriously. The last thing is fatherhood is integrity. Fatherhood is integrity. And Paul touches on this when he writes the letter to Titus, as we just read, where he says we need to show integrity and dignity and sound speech. We need to be those types of people. And, and Paul is telling Titus, this is the way that you need to teach and instruct the people who are listening to you. 
You need to teach them to invest this way, to mentor this way, to spend time with other people this way. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Isn't that a cool scripture? The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. You thought that Proverbs 31 was the only thing that talked about mama and that it was just the only thing dealing with parent stuff. Nope. Guys, we got our own scripture in Proverbs too. So we say, I want to marry a Proverbs 31 woman. She needs to marry a Proverbs 27 man. Because that's the type of man that we need to be. person who lives his life above reproach, who does the right thing when no one is looking because they're thinking on the statutes of the Lord and they're wanting to please the Lord. Blessed are his children after him. In other words, this type of intentional investment leaves a legacy. Leaves a good name that glorifies God. Because God's in this thing for his glory. And when we live this way and we walk in integrity, it glorifies God. Being a father gives us an opportunity to model the gospel, to show our kids the heart of God for us. And we get to have a peek in the window and understand a little bit of how God sees us. Because that heart of a father, man, we, we get frustrated. We are joyful. We, we experience this array of, of thoughts and dreams and desires for our children. And man, it's the heart of God for us. It gives us a picture of God's heart for us. It helps us to see how much He really loves us. And if we are those men of integrity that do the right thing when no one's watching, that serve God, when there's no maybe immediate benefit from it that we can cash out on. We're so instantaneous. We want to instantly cash out on any good thing that we do. And this parenting thing, this intentional investment thing, man, uh, this thing pays dividends down the road. It's, it's, it's kind of a slow investment. And a lot of times you'll get discouraged because you don't think it's working. And you're like, oh, I tried this for two weeks and it didn't work. It's just like trying that new fad diet for two weeks. How'd that work out for you too? Doesn't work, does it? No. You may see a little result here or there, but man, it's the long-term investment. It's the consistently doing small things, meditating on the statutes of the Lord, making sure that we're intentionally making decisions to grow and invest intentionally in those God has given us the grace to have influence with. Because who are we? <laughs> it's only by His grace. And so He's given us much, and we're to give that same to other people. So I pray that today, that as Father's Day is on our minds, whether you're a dad or not, you're still faced with the reality that today is Father's Day. And for some people, that's a good thought. For some people, that's a bad thought. For some people, that's a sad thought. For some people, it stirs up other emotions. But whatever it stirs up in your heart today as you think about Father's Day, I, I pray that you would walk away with a greater sense and awareness of responsibility that God has given each one of us to intentionally invest, whether it's in your children, whether it's in a friend, whether it's in a spouse, whether it's by taking an opportunity here at church to invest in someone whether it's by investing in a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, it doesn't matter. Whatever God is putting on your heart and stirring you to do, He has put you here for a reason. And it's not just so you can 
just enjoy this life and just go through and do your own thing. No, he's got a greater purpose than our personal pleasure. And it's for his glory that we are created. And so I pray that every one of us will have a greater awareness of that responsibility and that we can answer the question of what is God calling us to step up and do with this. Now that you've been given this information, now that you've heard these scriptures, now that you've heard these things and you've been thinking the thoughts, you've been writing the notes, what are you going to do with all of that? Is it going to just become another collection in your, in your notebook? Is it just going to become another thought, oh, that was a good Sunday? Or is it going to be a day where it will be a definitive moment, a memorial of sorts, where you made a decision today? And maybe you're here today and you made a decision. You're going to step up as a dad in certain areas that God's calling you to step up in, to take responsibility, to take that mantle. Maybe there's things you need to repent of to your children, to your wife. Maybe there's things God is wanting you to deal with 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 friends or family members. I don't know, man. Whatever it is, you need to obey. You need to do what God's telling you to do, what the Holy Spirit's working in your heart to do, and respond to what He's working in your heart today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this Father's Day because you truly are the greatest Father of all. You are the one who has loved us by giving your only Son. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our precious Lord and Savior, the one who has graciously taken our sin so that we could be made right in the eyes of our Father, so that we could see your goodness and your grace in operation in our lives. So we could be recipients of your love, of your forgiveness, of your restoration, of your reconciliation. And, and so we could in turn be instruments used for your kingdom's purposes. That we could love our neighbor, that we could invest in others, that we could take the mantle of responsibility that you have handed us to steward, that we would take seriously the leadership that you've called us to. Lord, I pray every man in this room and under the sound of my voice will be stirred, stirred with a renewed passion to seriously follow you, to take seriously the command to follow you, to die to self, to take up our cross, to follow you, Jesus. I pray we take that seriously. We, as we leave this place today to go and spend with family or friends, I pray that those words will be echoing in our heart, Father, of what you're stirring and calling us to do. May we have enough humility in our hearts, God, and recognition of our need for you, Lord, to follow through with that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what only you can do in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.